0: Hoagie's Garage, Joe. It's a big night.
1: Busy night tonight. Big you've been, night. You've been lining stuff up steady all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, you know, I had I had a couple lined up. And then, you know, when uh, Donnie shots is PR person, and I don't even, Michelle or Mish. Something Misha, like that. Something like we, that. We had
1: it written down somewhere once. She
0: reaches back out and says, uh, you know, he could be on tonight. So. Don't want to say no. Guy Forbrook. Doug Johnson from Musics and Donny really Shots. Good night. So I'm I'm pumped. So yeah,
1: it's good. a guy. I think Guy's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: I do too. I can only imagine the stories that Guy has. But uh, um, one thing I have to mention beforehand: there's actually two things. Um, one or
1: two now? Which is it? Two. Okay.
0: Um, Winterfest tomorrow in Leicester, the huge metropolis of the village of Leicester. <laughs> Uh, In the park and stuff like that, we have Santa Claus coming, Uh, we have sleigh rides, we flip the switch on all of our Christmas lights, and probably the coolest thing is, we have all kinds of animals for our live nativity. Um, We have camels, donkeys, sheep, you name it, bring your kids here, that starts at
1: 5.30. Hot Um, chocolate or hot cider or anything? Yep, hot
0: chocolate, (laughs) yep, sing sing some carols with Santa at like 7 o'clock, so... That's really cool. The other thing is, I posted on my Facebook site, Mahogi's um, Garage Facebook, um, Matt McKinney, my fellow teacher, is making um, United States flags that are on wood, and they he put a sprint car on there. If you haven't seen that, you really got to see that. Um, I would love it if some of you would buy those. Um, he's gone through a lot of work for me to get those out there just so that uh, it's an option for the racing community. It's R.M. Woodworking Shop on Facebook. Again, R.M. Woodworking Shop on Facebook.
1: And when we come back, we'll have Guy Forbrook on. Fulkins Brothers Trucking. Complete livestock hauling. A load with us is a load off your mind. Since 1979. Call Trim at 800 831 8553 that's Fulkins Brothers Trucking um, call TRIM at 800-831-8553 and thank you fellas for being part of our show alright we're here at Hoagie's Garage and
0: tonight we have Guy Forbrick on with us Guy the first question I have to ask you is Is Guy your real name or is it a nickname
2: Guy is my real name you have to blame my mom for that
1: it's <laughs> hey, an easy name
2: yeah, yeah, you definitely don't forget my name.
1: <laughs> oh, you bet. Tell us a
0: little bit about yourself and your family.
2: Uh grew up in Minnesota, small town, 1,000 people. Uh, racing family, my dad raced. Uh, we owned a motorsports shop with snowmobiles and uh, four-wheelers and motorcycles and lawnmowers and stuff like that, and we've raced anything from snowmobiles to – stock cars to sprint cars to whatever for the last 50, 60 years, you
1: know. So, been busy then. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, a small town of a 1,000, that's a big town for me and Bud because we grew up in Leicester, and other people have heard this story, but that's only about 200 to 250, depending on if somebody's having a birthday party or not.
2: Yeah, we have a few of them towns right around here that size, too. <laughs> but <laughs> there's there's nothing. I mean, a small town like this, this is it's, uh, it's a good thing in a lot of ways. I
1: wouldn't trade it for the world, I don't think. I love it. So, um, how old were you when you started racing then, Guy?
2: Um, I started racing snowmobiles when I was about, uh, 15.
1: Okay. Now, was that uh, snowcross then, or was that more of a circle no, track?
2: No, I ran all ovals back then. Okay, yep. Um, back then, I mean, there was a lot of oval races all over the place, all over the country. I mean, the, the big one would usually start out would be Hutchinson, Minnesota, or Alexander in Minnesota. Okay. And uh, then you'd work your way to Eagle River for the World Championship, and then you'd work your way to Canada for the World Series.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, How good were you guy?
2: I did end up winning the World Series when I was a junior in high school.
1: Oh, that a boy. Yeah. (laughs) So you've always been fast.
2: Yeah, no, we, I mean, we had a good time. I had some, when when I went up there, I was uh, 16 years old. I was with uh, a 22-year-old and a, 18 year old we went up there and we we got to the border and and crossed the border and i had a note from my mom signed that i could go race snowmobiles up there and that's how i crossed the border and uh (laughs) went up there and handed to the association people from canada to race and that's how i signed in and and went (laughs) oh my
1: goodness! i bet you can't do that anymore today (laughs) more than a signed paper from mom
2: yeah and it was it was quite the deal we got there and we got to the border and and the the guy that was with me just he actually just passed a year ago he was a few years older than me he would he was graduated in 75 so he's like six years older than me and uh we got in and he got through and then and then they interviewed me and then i got through and i we told him what we were doing and then the 18 year old that just got out of high school he got to get interviewed we we're all sitting there and and he was on probation oh no and the guy goes the guy goes uh you got any got any warrants against you or anything like that? Or are you on probation or anything? And this guy's like, he was as laid back as can be. And actually he was a policeman's son. And uh, he goes, well, I'm on probation. And the guy looks at him and me and Mike looked at each other and we kind of laughed. And the guy goes, what are you on probation for? And he said, well, we left the school door open. We put a piece of gum in the school door one night and we waited for everybody to leave. And we went into the teacher's lounge and we emptied the teachers' lounge out and made our own lounge, a student lounge, about a hundred feet down the hall in an empty storage room, and took all the stuff out of the out of the teachers' lounge and put it in the storage closet. And they made an example out of those guys. Uh, there was about five of them that got put on probation and everything else, which was was kind of crazy. But uh, the guy just kind of looked at him and burst out laughing, and uh, and off we went. We oh. went into Canada and drove our way up to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and then right north of there about 70 miles was a town called Waldheim. And it was a like five-eighths of a mile. You could put Knoxville inside of it. It was really about awesome. that size. Holy
1: yep. crap. So how,
2: how fast would you go? Um, probably on that sled right there, probably about 87 to 90. Hmm, that's
1: fast but enough the, sitting on top of a snowmobile.
2: The snow pro sleds were running probably about 110 to 115, probably at oh. that time on that track.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, that
2: was that was the year of all the snow pro sleds and all the big factory teams from Cat and Polaris and sure. And all of them. I mean, it was all the factory teams were there.
1: You yeah. Know? Well, you go back, you go back enough years, there was a lot more snow build manufacturers than there is now.
2: Oh yeah! When I lined up in the line there, there, there was 500 sleds there, and it got down to eight. And uh, I mean, I had John Deere factory to yep. to Yamaha to Articat to Rupp, yep, um, Polaris, uh, Mercury. Oh, he had all different kinds, you know. Well, Mercury, I wouldn't awesome. have thought of. We yeah. had a
1: John Deere when we were growing up yeah that
2: would have been the factory john deere that was there with us yep yep, yep. so but uh by way, yeah that's when i started racing snowmobiles and then uh i did a few years of that and won some stuff in that and some world series of drag stuff and that and i came home when i was uh uh i must have been a senior in high school and one year out of high school and i just decided that i had enough of that and i was i sold my sleds and and uh moved on to start doing some car stuff when I was nineteen, and then time I was twenty I started running sprint cars around here. The first race I'd ever won was at Rock Rapids, Iowa. First yep. night out. That's first where night. Tope, that's where Toad yep.
0: live. So that's yep. pretty cool.
2: Yep. Yep. That's, that's awesome. I didn't know with old Kenny Schilling is the flag man.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> I remember Kenny yeah he was
2: quite a bit bigger than me <laughs> yeah well,
1: that is true you, you weren't a very big fella he,
2: he kept you in line trust me so <laughs> that, but uh, yeah that's how it all started
0: that's that's, that's absolutely awesome
2: so so no go I'm, ahead yeah so i went down there with jerry franson when i went down in my own car and, and me and jerry franson
1: oh okay is that I want to say, is that like Keith's brother then or anything? Or That
2: was, Jerry Franson was the guy that built all the cars for Franson. He was the one that built all the frames, and, and Keith was the one that drove, yep. but Jerry's yep. the one that built them all. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I had a Franson chassis.
0: Awesome. So how long were you racing before you had your accident that paralyzed
2: you? Well, I started racing in 84, and I was hurt in 86.
1: Really? That I, didn't, I wouldn't have guessed that because I remember you well racing.
2: Yeah. And I can't yeah, my, my memory it ain't,
1: ain't it. that good that I'd remember just that short of a time span.
2: Yeah, it happened pretty fast. Uh, the last race I would have raced would have been in Lauren Whitkey's car in 1986 at Houston Speedway. Okay. Um, we won the last race there. And then I had come home and I, would, I did some deals with a guy by the name of Ron Coles and uh, the five car. And uh, decided that we were gonna do a little bit more racing, and I never got to do it. I never got back to the track. I ended up, I went to a softball game on a Thursday night before the weekend, and on our way home, uh, we had a car accident.
0: That's that's unfortunate, that's so bad. What, yeah, so,
1: so jumping back to it, was always didn't it always used to say LL Woodkey? On, yep. on that car, were, were they usually—I want to say—they weren't they black and yellow or something, maybe? Or? Yep,
2: they're one W. Yep. Okay. It was. Lauren had some of the best stuff in the whole Midwest. I mean, he. The car Lauren was a. Oh yeah, he had fast cars all the way from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, if you if you look at some of the history, even when I think when Wolfgang won Syracuse with Doug Howell's, that was with Lauren's Motors.
1: Oh really? So, oh really?
2: yeah and they they'd won a lot of races out of that shop and uh lauren was Lorne was the man he was he was a he was a really good guy and uh a hard worker um and he knew his stuff and uh he had some of the best motors in the country at the time you bet so um
0: i watched i don't know if i watched or if i read something on you today but um was there did it take you a while to get back to the track? I think what I read was one of your buddies like grabbed you and said, We're going to the racetrack.
2: Well, I mean, I went to the racetrack a few times here and there and I helped a guy like Mike Brutigan a couple of times and uh won a couple races with him at in some of the local or the 360 stuff and that what he was doing at the time and I just kind of stayed away and and uh and then, no, Ron Coles was the, the guy I was going to go drive for. The five car called me, and I was at, I was doing research work at the University of Minnesota, and I was living in an apartment up there. And five days a week, I was doing research. And uh, he wanted me to go to a race, and I really wasn't interested in going to a race that much. And, and uh, he called me a couple times that week. And so I said, all right, I'll ride over to Houston with you. So we went over to Houston, and... and Drove back from Hewitts to Morgan, and then I got back in my own car and drove to the city's yet that night, and, and uh, went back to doing the research work. And then he called me on Tuesday of that next week, and he said, "I want you to take over the the whole thing." And and I basically told me he lost his mind. There's no way I'm gonna go work around <laughs> cars. You know? And uh, he said, "Well, if you don't, it's sitting because I'm bringing it home." So I got basically some of the boys back together that I raced with when I started, a bunch of farm boys here. And, uh, we got the car and put it all back together. And then we put a guy by the name of Jerry Riker Jr. In it and went to Houston's and, uh, won the first night out with it. And then we won a few more races with it right away. And then, uh, it got to going and we got started winning quite a few more races. We won, Lasoski drove it, and then Riker drove it, and we had all kinds of different guys driving it at that time. And then we, uh, there was a guy by the name of Lyle Mossack that lived over here in Hector that, that had a machine shop that ended up, at the end of that year of 88, he ended up going to work for Hendrick Motorsports. He was their head dyno man for the next 30 years after that in their engine shop. Really? Yeah. But we went over there and built an aluminum motor over there and did all the stuff and put it in the trunk of my 66 Impala. And brought it home and uh, put it in the car and went to the Nationals and put Rick Unger in the car and and uh, we started fourteenth in the B and got through the B of the Nationals and then got into the A and I think we ran like sixteenth or seventeenth with what we had built and what we had done and I don't even think we had a spare front axle or a spare Harley a spare wheel or anything and then <laughs> then we went to we won Cheaters Day with Lasowski. Uh
1: he passed Wolfgang with
2: like yeah, fairgrounds. Fairgrounds. Yep. Um, and then that's basically how this all got started after that race right there. And then uh, kind of started going more and more and more. And we won the Knoxville title then already the next year.
1: That's, that's impressive.
2: That's
0: absolutely awesome. Hey, Guy, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. All right. And we're back with Guy Forbrick. So, Guy, a little... Earlier today, I found something from Danny Lasowski, and he said that you were not limited in anything you did. He said he never knew that basically you were even in a wheelchair. He said no one worked harder than Guy Forbrook. I'm just curious, how, how do you do it all?
2: Well, if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, you just, when I first started, when I first started with him or Riker and that, don't, I mean, trust me, I, I had, uh, I was really, really, really insecure that about people. Cause at first I was this guy in this wheelchair and everybody was watching and I, I was young and, uh, when you have something like this happen to you, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty dramatizing. I can tell you, I mean, no. I was, I was, a, I played sports my whole entire childhood. I was a good athlete and had a lot of good friends that were really good athletes And, uh, that's all we played was sports and ran around and did things. And, and, uh, and then you have something like this happen and you, you go, I mean, everybody kept saying, well, you can come back and actually even at Southwest state, they offered me a a basketball scholarship to play wheelchair basketball. And, uh, I just, and I, it just wasn't for me at the time. You know, I was, I was more in the focus and denial that I had nothing to do with a wheelchair. I was going to walk, you know? yeah so that's why i kept doing all the research stuff with the with the the doing that with electrodes and i did some tv talk shows on on major tv networks and all that kind of stuff and walked around for them and and did things like that and and, but but i think a lot of it you guys is you, you come from a small town no different than danny did you come from a small town um you you work hard you do your things and and it didn't bother me. I mean, they, they dropped off a car for me with a hand control at the university of Minnesota, downtown. And I jumped in it and left. Really? Never drove a hand control in my life. I was downtown Minneapolis.
1: Oh my God. Know? I don't like driving down downtown Minneapolis oh. today yet. Hate
2: so, it. but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just a matter of, uh, how bad you want it. You know, yep. what do you want to do? And, uh, No different if you go out in the yard and shoot baskets all day because you want to make sure you make a free throw or go out in the football field and catch a ball all day or work on your race car all night. It it is what it is. It it depends on uh, what you really want out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Jumping back, when you started racing, for some reason I have a red car and I want to say like 34B or something. Could that have been your number like when you first started coming to Rocky and stuff?
2: That was the first car I won at Rock Rapids with, yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Because I, and for some reason I have like the B. Some I don't know if it was just something the fans made up or, but it said we called it Bonsai 34 Bonsai. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, don't, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, well, that's just that pops in my that's head. That's
1: his driving style. Bonsai well, he style. drove hard. He was a lot. <laughs> you were a lot of fun to watch. I ain't gonna lie to you. The little bit, I you know, I can remember it. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Well, actually no, obviously you had to be good if you can come your first night and win.
2: Yeah, and I actually had a lot of good friends, friends, friends and fans and all that at Rock Rapids there too and and we did win a lot of races when we first started. I mean, the first year I think I won 15 races, you know. Yep. And uh and you, and you, if you weren't winning, people weren't calling you up to hire you already by the end of the year to start driving cars for a living, you know? And yep. I already that by the end of that year, there's people already starting to call me.
1: Really? You know? for,
2: and <laughs> uh and trust me i crashed some shit there ain't no doubt about that and uh but but there was never a doubt that i was going to give you a hundred percent and sometimes i just i gave it a little too much and ran her a little too far and kind of got her got her in there a little bit too far but at the end of the day i was young yep and uh and wanted to win but the b had nothing to do with a Bonsai. Bonsai. <laughs> um,
1: that must have been a crowd thing then, because back well, then I Bonsai, was still in the crowd. A guy by
2: the name of Bonsai worked for me. Okay. Um, that was Fran Brun's Frans- brother.
1: Yep, Franny Brun's yeah. brother.
2: So maybe but, that's but where it, end, maybe that's
1: what I'm getting mixed up with. Maybe he just worked with you, and then I don't know. Like I yeah, said, well, I'm impressed. I remembered B, your number.
2: Here was the B. The B was, I went to the local bar here in town, and I came home from college and met with two retired farmers, Blemke and Ben Dixon. And I said, you guys, I'm going to start racing. I can't afford to buy a car and all that kind of stuff. I want you guys to be a part of it, sponsor in on the deal. And and neither one of them really wanted to buy in, but they both said that they would co-sign a note. They thought I was good enough. They'd co-sign a note, and I'd go over there and borrow the 10000 to go get the car, and they'd co-sign the note. Really, so they co-signed the note, and their names were Blemke and Ben Dixon, and that was the B. So the thirty-four was my number, and the B was them. Uh, why thirty-four? That was my dad's original number when he first started racing. Well, that's that's, awesome. that's
1: a cool story.
2: That's... so. That's that's how that all started. New the bot. B was Blemke and and then the, and the one passed away a few years ago, and the and and uh ben dixon just uh Dwayne just passed away here about a year ago huh
1: man. that's 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 a cool story right there
2: so yeah but that's that's how it all got started that's, Okay. there was two farmers that co-signed the note for me to get going and then and then i got going and then i got hurt and then uh sold the car and, and the note was pretty much almost paid off and got rid of all that and then <laughs> then i went away for two years and and uh, decided to start another race team a few years later, and went into that same banker <laughs> and said, "I want to borrow fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, well, "What are we going to do?" And I said, "I need to buy a truck." And I said, "I got a trailer from Ron Coles to use for the year." I said, "I want to start my own race team and run all over the country." And he said, "Well, you paid every car note every." note that you ever had with me he said i guess there's no reason not to trust you so he borrowed me fifty thousand dollars with no equity no nothing and out the door i went wow. bought myself the truck and off we went and that would have been 1991 then and we paid it off in about a year
0: that's awesome <laughs> so what what number was that then is that
2: when you started the number five or that's that's when i started the five with i started the five with ron it was Ron Cole's Al Cole, and then it would have been Jim Larson from Larson Farms from Slayton, Minnesota. Okay. He was always on the car. And then uh, and then a few years later, it was a guy by the name of Dan Holland, Holland Cabinet, who so had sponsored and owned his own cars with Leland Van Amrick, used to drive years ago. Um, he was involved for a long, long time. And then, of course, you're all going to remember Jackpot Junction.
1: Yeah. That
2: was on the car. Yep. And that was a big one. Yeah, I started, but, you know, it's a funny story. Everybody thought it was a big one. It was $10,000. Okay. $10,000 is what I got every year. I mean, which was solid, but $10,000 was $10,000 I didn't have to take out of my pocket. But at the end of the day, everybody thought we had these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just just figured
1: it was your big one because it always had the wing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what they wanted, so I had to give it to them. But but it, it, it worked out good for them. It worked out good for us, but. If if we didn't win thirty five to forty five races a year, I never would have survived. No, yeah. and I mean it was a fit with with me and Danny. Honestly, Danny and crashed, and and he was conservative, but he was a good points racer and he could win outlaw shows.
1: Yep, and
2: yep. Uh, we'd win thirty five to forty five races a year, and the car would make close to three hundred grand a year back at that time, and uh, we'd run good at the. Nationals we'd run good at Houston's at the big races yep, yep. and uh we went all our races in California to Texas to Tennessee to Florida all over the place and uh it was just a good fit, and that's how I survived it was never it was never a deal where I mean I always kept my overhead low and I could do everything as far as working on engine stuff like that and I always had good guys that worked around me good farm boys or Local guys, and uh, with all of us together, I mean, we just always put a good program together. And when you get a wee thing going, it turns into a really good thing, you yeah. know. It
1: makes for a super consistent team, is what it does. Yeah, when everybody yeah. works well together.
2: So, I mean, we are we were consistent all the way through all them times.
1: Yeah. So, is there a reason
0: number five?
2: Um, it was Ron Cole's was number five when when okay. I was going to go drive it. I don't even know why, honestly. I'm gonna tell you guys honest truth. I never asked him why I was five. And uh that was the number he had, and then and then when I started with it, it was five, and then when we got going with it, I just left it because that's the way we'd all started with it. And I never went back to my own number because my own number was my number. That's right. It was I w- I was done and it was over. You know?
0: Yep. yep. So I
2: moved on with life.
0: So um I just wanna point out that at Knoxville. You had like 87 victories, 11 track championships, um, and overall you had 270 feature wins on 63 different tracks. Mm-hmm. So according to this, uh, you had, did, did Stevie Kinzer drive for you? Steve Kinzer?
2: Yeah, I won an outlaw championship at Kinzer.
0: Okay. And then Sammy Swindell, <laughs> Danny Lozowski, Jack Hodgchild, Terry McCarl, Tim Kading, Jeff Shepard.
2: Stevie Smith, Keith Kaufman, Ronnie Schuman, Uh I've raced with Delansky to uh, even Kenny Schrader drove my car one night.
1: That that's um, just about a who's who's list of racing from the eighties the and nineties.
2: I got I got the luckiest. I, I mean, it was I got to race with the best guys ever drove these things.
1: Yeah, that, trust
2: me. I mean. When you're talking, the only guy that I that I didn't get the chance to race with, and then the only reason I didn't is because he got hurt in '92, and oh. then that's the only one. It was Wolfie, because I know we'd race together, and and that would have been that would have been the A list.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty much everybody. Yeah,
2: you know, and he just got hurt too early. Where I just got started, and and I know, I mean, trust me, that was one of the guys I wish I ever could have raced with. Sure. So. Yeah. I mean I got to race with Hod. Hod Hod was uh Hod was an amazing racer. Todd Tyler Walker.
1: Oh yep, you know, yep.
2: He was he was a really good racer. To uh Bobby Davis Junior drove for me. Oh man. <laughs> Stevie <laughs> Smith drove for me.
1: Some of these are before your time, bud. You're too, almost too young for some of that. They
2: are, but <laughs> I, I know
1: their name because they're legends.
2: Yeah, I mean Bobby Davis won the Outlaw Championship. Yep, yep. yeah
0: absolutely
2: so but uh we always had good equipment and uh it the car would win and i had good guys always that would help me and and uh we could drive around the country and and it's like Wolfgang always i i, I tell you a story i mean the first race i ever won in a 410 i won at husitz and uh i drive all the way home that night from husitz and i come to my mom and dad's i must have been about 19 or 20 years old then and i got home about four o'clock in the morning and and all of a sudden the phone the next morning about 8 30 was ringing and ringing and ringing and i wasn't gonna get up and answer it And i just kept ringing and finally i get up and I answer it and i said hello and this voice on the other side goes what are you doing i said well i'm sleeping <laughs> he said uh he said i heard you won last night i said i did he goes, let me tell you something, son. It's past midnight. Nobody gives a shit. Get your running shorts on. Get your ass back out there and start working out, because next week they might fire your ass. And he hung up the phone.
1: <laughs> really?
2: Doug Wolfgang. <laughs> he, was, he was in Pennsylvania racing for Weikert, and he found out that I won that race, and that was the message he gave me.
1: Oh, my up God. The phone. Oh. Not a congratulations or nothing. Just get your ass busy.
2: But then when I got hurt, after I got hurt, I was in the hospital for about, I don't know, seven, eight hours. And laying, I was laying in the emergency room. He was the first guy to call me. I was laying there. I, I mean, I can't, I can remember talking to him, but I was I was pretty out of it. Sure. And uh, I was a mess. I know that. But uh, he's the first guy to ever call me. I was probably seven hours laying there. Tied, I, I know that I had my head tied down to a table and uh, my body was strapped down to a thing. And they asked if I wanted to talk to him, and I said sure. So, but uh, he was the first guy to call me.
1: Yeah, oh, that, that's 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 incredible because you know you're, you know that's a guy that's the pinnacle at the in the racing you know sprint car world, and for him to call you that says a lot. Yeah, that says a lot for you and for him is what I'm saying.
2: That, well, he is one of the best that ever drove him. Yep. I'm telling you that right now. Yep. I mean, some of the stuff he did, and I watched him. I mean, you got to remember, I, I got to watch him when he first started at Jackson. I would have been probably 10 years old, probably.
1: Yep.
2: And these old guys used to talk about this guy crashing every other week, you know? Man, Whoopi would crash at first. He, he was the same way. He was flat on the gas, yep. you know? And by the time it got to about seventy five, they weren't talking much more. And then seventy six, he got faster. And then when he got when he got together at Trossel by seventy seven, he was pretty much uh, turning into the household name, where he would win anywhere and everywhere.
1: With Bob. Yeah, everybody knew him by then. Oh yeah, he wasn't yeah. no local guy no more.
2: But see, the biggest thing about Whoopi was is that that he didn't have probably the talent that Steve and Sammy had. But man, he had so much drive. Yep. He would. He would. I mean, like even like when he was the reason he called me like that. When he was that that morning, he would have called me from Waikards. He probably had ran seven miles to the shop and worked all day at Waikard shop, and then ran seven miles home, and plus probably rode a workout bike beside. And and I know. I mean, I talked to him last year right after Christmas. We we're bsing. He'd already had twenty seven hundred miles on a stationary bike, you know. So, <laughs> and the guy's sixty nine years old. Yep. Yeah. He He's he just had that much drive to make himself that good, and he he willed himself to be that good. And when he got got to going, um and when when I worked for Steve, we were driving down the road one day in this motorhome, just bsing, just talking, and and Kenzer would probably kill me when I say this, but he said, you know. He said, one of the only guys I was ever worried about showing up is if Wolfgang showed up. Because he said, when he showed up, if he had his ducks on a row with the cars he had, he was unbeatable. Really? That's what Kenser said. Uh, well, if That's... we're
1: lucky, he listens to the podcast, and <laughs> <laughs> he'll call you up. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, remember, we... <laughs> I
1: have a story, again, that I remember. Now, don't count. I, and I want to say it was about Wolfgang. But somebody said one time, I believe, that he used to watch TV at night, and he would lay on the floor to watch TV, but he wouldn't put a pillow under his head. He'd hold his head up to build his neck muscles and stuff up for racing. You know, that was all before Hans and all that fancy stuff. And that you was Yeah,
2: he, he worked his neck out all winter, all the time. Yeah, that he'd was just a, a story
1: that I had heard once.
2: Yeah, no, he'd either do it that way or he'd have a weight on his helmet, an old helmet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jeez. Yeah, no, he he was, hell, he won an all he won an all star race at at uh, he, he broke his his arm or his shoulder driving for Weikert. That'd have been probably eighty six, and uh, went to Eldora and won Eldora at the all star race with one arm in a sling and one arm on the wheel. You know, oh, at yeah. Eldora. Yeah, we we've reached out to
0: Doug. I I try and reach out to people a couple times. And if they, he, he responded to me and just said, you know, nobody wants to hear me. I'm old news. Uh, and I, I'm like, I beg to differ, but I, I can't get him on. So I tried and I'm not yeah. going to keep bugging him about it. So, um, but yeah, man, the stories that he would have too would be great.
2: Yeah, no, he uh honestly, he, he was definitely sprint car racing and part of the outlaw guys from Bobby Allen to, I mean, even Keith Kaufman drove for me. So
1: yeah.
2: um, you got guys like Kaufman to Allen to to Steve, to Sammy, to Doug, to Jack, to Danny. Um, and honestly, like when I would get in trouble down the road, was, if I thought that I was missing something on the car or something like that, I'd either call uh, Bobby Jones or Rick Ferkel or Doug Wolfgang. That's who I talked to.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that's three big names in racing.
2: Yeah. The last, you know, I met Bubby Jones. No Um, idea. um, We go to, we we go to, uh, we raced Chico the week before. Me and, it was Bonsai was with me. It was me, Bonsai, and Jack. And we, we go to the Gold Cup at Chico. And we ran second in the non wing race. And we ran like fifth in the wing race. So we decided to take off and go run Manzanita for the Pacific Coast Nationals. for That was the biggest non-wing race in the country at the time. There's like 140 cars at Manzanita. Oh, wow. So we show up there. And Ronnie Schumann and Leland McSpatten, they're, they're good friends of mine. I've known them for a long time. And they, I show up in the pits there, and, and they are both rubbing me about that big motor you got under the hood. They always knew that I was pretty good with motors. They ain't going to do you any good here. We got the wing off of it. And, and Schumann had drove it that year at Sioux Empire, actually. Okay. When, when Jack got sick, I had Schumann drove it. And honestly, he's like, holy shit, this thing, the motor in this thing is, like, <laughs> holy shit. It's got well, some so, horses under there. So we go in there, and he goes, that big motor ain't going to do you any good here without that wing. And I said, well, we're going to find out. So we take the wing sonar and tie it to the cage leave the stock front axle in it that we ran with the wing and I uh, move it over to the right a little bit and I move the right rear wheel out and I said to hide and I said, now listen to me, I don't want to kill you. So at the end of the day, you take yourself a little time here until I get this halfway figured out how to get this thing to go around here because needle was fast, I mean, really fast. So we hot lapped and we're halfway decent. We ain't really good. And then I moved a little bit more and uh, those guys were running 535 gears, and I put a 504 in this thing, in this motor. Todd goes out and just smashes the track record on the first lap. <laughs> and uh, she comes over to me and goes, Well, now you got a race. I said, I know. So we worked on a little bit more. The, the, the payoff pitch of the whole thing that night it was Leland and, and Ronnie got to start on the front row. And uh, we started six because we were fast time. Yep. And they Invert. drop the green, and Hot and Jack gets into third, and Leland's on the top, and Schumann's on the bottom, just like a normal deal.
1: Sure. And
2: Hod, Hod comes off the two. He looked like he was on the interstate. He drove right down the middle of them, about sucked the helmets off both of them when he went by, and and drove off, and we win the race. And Schumann Schumann comes over to me. I mean, just at a high rate of speed, he's like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> he that is the most ill-handling piece of shit I've ever watched driving race in my life, and I said, "Yeah, but it's got a motor." Goes, you should think. And uh, so we won the race, and these guys—they all ran out there, and they are running forty tires. And I was testing tires for Goodyear at that time that year, and uh, in the last two years actually, and I'd ran a thirty, and we'd put tape over it. So I was—I was like ain't no way we're running no 40. These guys can stay in their 40s. We're going to run a 30. So I put this 30 on. So we're sitting there after the end of the night. You had to unload at Manzanita, we're waiting to get out. and This old guy walks over to me in his blue jeans and his T-shirt and all that. He's kind of stumbling around there. And he goes, hey, heard you ran a 30 tonight. I started laughing. I said, who would you hear that from? He goes, I just heard it. I said, nah, I don't think so. He goes, seriously? I said, nah. <laughs> So he's walking around, he's kind of looking at the car, waiting for the truck and trailer to come back in. And he puts his hand on my shoulder again. And he goes, No, seriously. He said, You can tell me, it don't really matter. And I started laughing. I said, Yeah, I ran a 30. He goes, All right. He walks away. So the next night, we're sitting there, and this guy walks over to me in his blue jeans and his t shirt and puts his hand on me. He goes, you Thinking you're around a 30 tonight? I said, There's probably a pretty good chance. And he goes, okay he walks away well we take off we take the lead this thing because we start in the front and we get about halfway through it and we get a rock goes right through the right front shock at manzanita and the thing is just hopping like you can't believe but we end up running second and we got beat by this guy and uh this guy walks over to me at the end of the race with his blue jeans and his t-shirt on puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes thanks for the tip and i said (laughs) well who in the hell are you anyway he said, "I'm Bubby Jones, man." I hauled off and just whacked him a good one. I not never met him before, and he just burst out laughing. He retired that night, his last race he ever won. Really? And, he, and his son of bitch called me every Christmas for the next twenty years after that, just to say, "Can I run that thirty tonight?" <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think we, we need really to do, do about. After.
0: I think we need to do about five more podcasts with you, with all the stories you have, guy.
2: Yeah, no, he was. He became a really good friend after that, and uh, he, was a, he was a smart, smart guy. Really smart with sprint cars.
0: So, what's this? Um, we, in a sense, we need to start wrapping up a little bit. But what are you yep. doing right now?
2: I'm sitting at my kitchen table.
0: <laughs> as far as racing home, goes,
2: I just, came, I just came home from my shop. Um, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna race this year. We're um, gonna run local. We're gonna run all the big shows. I'm going to put Kerry Madsen in my car and we're going to race the outlaw shows around here. And then I'm going to probably put Brady in my 360, and try to get him up to speed. I mean, he's time trialing on his butt, but we're not winning any races yet. So at the end of the day, the paycheck comes at the end of the night, not the beginning of the night. (laughs) We got to get, we got to get him up to speed. So we're doing a different engine program with some really good guys. And uh, I think honestly, when I'm done here, i had some of the best motors in the whole entire country for 40 years since I was with Earl Gertie. Yep. And, uh, I think that this deal that I'm doing here with right now is going to be probably one of the best motor deals I've ever had in my life coming up here. And I'm looking forward to racing the nationals and Knoxville, Houston's and the big race at Houston's and the Jackson nationals and Cedar Lake. And, and if we get everything done, Um, probably go to Volusia, but if we don't, um, we'll wait on, down the road to get started here. I just, uh, I want to make sure when we come out with these motors that they're good.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to pay attention then the first time around the track to see what you're running.
2: And
0: it's really exciting. I hadn't heard that Kerry's going to drive for you. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah. I just talked to him about 20 minutes ago and told him I was going to spit it out here.
1: All right. so, we have his number we just haven't got in touch with him yet to have him on the yeah. podcast we better all get right. after that now
2: right. right now he's driving down the road he's in in Connecticut right now so <laughs> oh. he's on his way back to Iowa
0: all right okay. well that's absolutely awesome now that's so is are you gonna race Houston's quite a bit then too or just kind of um, hitting the big shows
2: we're gonna hit I mean there'll be some races at Houston's like Mother's Day weekend and stuff like that two-day races stuff like that they'll do that I mean I heard he's going to pay like 8000 to win on a Sunday night now, so probably oh. have to come over there more.
0: Well, we have we, we have have Doug, Doug Johnson in
2: the next. We'll have so to ask. We'll <laughs> so find out for sure. That, we
0: heard a
1: rumor from it. a guy. Yeah. We won't say yeah, who the guy is.
2: You tell him he's got a hard act to follow now. Oh, we'll so, let him know. Yeah. But uh, tell him that forbrook said that he heard he was going to pay 8000 to win on a Sunday night. So,
0: no. All right. That sounds great. We'll, so. we'll,
1: we'll start the show off with that question for you. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And all now, right guys hey Well, you guys you guys uh nice talking to you have merry christmas happy holidays and uh i'll see you at the track hey. well maybe we'll do this again
0: hey let let us wrap off some uh, rapid fire questions real quick at you all
2: right these go are for easy it. if you got time
0: what's, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream uh vanilla are you a cat or dog person
2: dog
1: Any hobbies other than working on race cars?
2: Uh, fishing.
1: Perfect. Um, do you have a favorite movie?
2: Um, probably Ford versus Ferrari.
1: Yep. I've seen it. Good one.
2: Uh, snow or rain guy? I hate snow.
1: Anymore. (laughs) Snowmobile racing's over, right?
2: I'm I'm getting too
1: damn old for snow. There you
2: go. Um, (laughs) If you're... You guys ever try try to wheel a wheelchair around in the goddamn snow? It's just not any fun. I'll believe you. It ain't any
1: fun to walk through it, so I can imagine. That's another
2: story. When you're 19 years old and you're wheeling across the parking lot in the University of Minnesota, and the first time it ever snows, the first time you're ever in a chair, and you're halfway across the parking lot, and you get stuck. And then there's about a 24-year-old good-looking nurse walking by and looking at you, and looking at you and saying, hey, do you need help? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, I'm just sitting yourself, here, honey. You're thinking to yourself, uh, I don't really want you to help me that way, no, but it is
0: what it is. Yeah, give, can you give me a push? <laughs> oh. Um, if you're stranded on an island, is there any kind of music that you would have to take with you? Uh,
2: The Beach Boys.
1: There you go. Island and the Beach Boys, that works. Um, you have a favorite place to go out to eat? Um. Uh,
2: no not really i'm 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 nearly not that picky i i I eat about anything don't matter
1: that works um do you have a favorite holiday
2: probably Christmas uh what app on your phone
0: do you use the most
2: oh I don't even uh you can probably say pass. Messenger. probably messenger
0: there you go. Uh, let's see here. Speeding tickets. Do you have any speeding <laughs> tickets? Are you really fast with your hands?
2: A couple weeks ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, along with the speeding ticket, what's the fastest you've ever driven on the highway?
2: 172.
1: Ooh, that's up there. Nice. That wasn't in no Buick. <laughs>
2: no, it was on on Porsche. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite drink?
2: Um... Long Island Ice tea.
1: Okay.
0: If money was no object, is there any car that you wish you could have?
2: Well, my friend over here, about 12 miles away from me, is just got himself a GT40. Oh. That's uh pretty unique. Um, it's the baddest ass car I've ever sat in in my life. So probably if I if there was no limit. Yep. It would it would probably be a car like that.
0: That'll right. work. Well, guy, thanks so much, and thanks for breaking the big news about Carrie. That's pretty awesome, and the stories were amazing. And we'll definitely have to do this again.
1: All right, boys. And we will stop right. down and say hi at the track, definitely.
0: All right, sounds good. All All right. Right. Take care. Of thanks again. Yep. yep. See ya. Bye bye. Like to thank Octane Inc. from T. South Dakota. They pretty much do a little bit of everything. They are known for their wraps. They wrap golf carts, uh, snowmobiles, um, trailers, sprint cars, hobby stocks. It doesn't matter. Uh, Side by sides, they wrap it. Uh, They also do coolers and they will also do clothing. You can have t-shirts made there. Um, you name it, these guys can do it. I work with Brett uh, Vanderbrink all the time. He is amazing, and I can't thank him enough for how much he helps me. And if I were you guys, I would definitely check out Octane Inc. You can contact them by calling 605-213-8343. It is 800 East Prescott in T, South Dakota and again they're just great people to work with hey <laughs> guy was pretty dang good though so.
1: <laughs> he was fun i i think we're going to have to take him up on having him on the show again sometime oh
0: man the stories he has
1: oh. <laughs> i didn't I, I knew he had a lot of guys driving but i did not realize there was that many of i mean it, it was, was the, who's, best of the best it was the who's who of sprint car racing yeah i w- I I knew he had a lot, but I I did not know that many. I was impressed. I'm not going to lie to you. And then he dropped the bomb. I mean, yeah. he's kind of. I almost missed
0: it. He said it so fast, but yeah. he's having Kerry Madsen
1: Jumping drive his car this, this year, year. Run the four ten cars for the big shows, yep. and then is they'll show up for a few weekly ones. I bet too. Yep, absolutely. I'm just guessing now. He didn't so, say that, but yeah, we like to make assumptions yeah. once in a while.
0: And then he threw a rumor out about Husets. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll jump Doug about that we'll on the next dug one. We'll jump Doug here pretty soon about that. So <laughs> see what he's got to say there. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with another podcast in a little bit.